Hi everyone, I am Nikki Cameron, a holistic trauma relief therapist of emergent counseling and consulting. But I am coming to you as the parent of a 16-year-old teenager, and I am the host of the podcast Inside Out Parenting. I'm Dina. I'm the co-host of Inside Out Parenting. I'm obviously the child of Miss Nikki Cameron. And I'm coming to you with the perspective of maybe what your child might be feeling. So today we wanted to cover the topic um, of helicopter parenting. And just before we dive into today's topic, we wanted to thank everyone who provided feedback on our first podcast. It was very exciting. We felt very encouraged by it that it is actually doing what we meant for it to do, which is provide support to parents and teens out there. Um, both perspectives provide tips that you can use to actually strengthen your relationship and get the conversation going from each other's point of view. So we are going to dive into our topic for today, which is helicopter parenting. So Dina, when you hear the term helicopter parenting, what does that mean to you as a teen? Well, from my perspective, a helicopter parent is someone who does everything for you. So you function as essentially a child still, no matter your age. So they are ironing your clothes. They're waking you up every morning. They're cooking for you. They're cleaning for you. All you have to do is go to school. And even when you come home, they might even be doing your home. Like a helicopter parent is a parent that you will have no struggles. I will do everything for you. Gotcha. And so for me, from a, as a parent, when I hear a helicopter parent, to me that means just a parent who's just overbearing and just excessively involved and monitoring their kids just in a controlling way. And sometimes it just gets to that point where it's it ends up being more of a stressor for the child and anxiety producing because it becomes very, right, it becomes very inappropriate. So I, you know, when I hear that term, um, that's what comes to mind for me. And as we're having this conversation, I kind of go backwards to when you were about, um, how old were you in Miss Jody's class? Nine. So you're about eight, 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 eight in Miss Jody's class. It was what grade? What third. the third grade? Mm-hmm. And Miss Jody, you came home from school one evening and you were doing homework you were sitting at the table and I rushed over and I was like hey do you have homework like I normally do I asked and I said come on pull out your homework let's work on it together and you held up your hand I'll never forget it you were like whoa 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 whoa, no 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 we're not doing that today mommy you're not gonna be a helicopter parent Miss <laughs> Jody says no helicopter parenting don't allow your parents to be a helicopter parent and when you said that to me like it hit me and I kind of stopped dead in my tracks because I'm like, wait, am I a helicopter parent? That's exactly what I don't want. Like I don't want to be that overbearing parent. I don't want to be that parent that um, who is just crippling my child by just running into the rescue. Yeah. And that's I think that's the second thing you said. You're like, are you just going to be running to the rescue? Running to the rescue? I said you're going to hover like you're always yes. there. <laughs> and, you know, it, it it hit me for a minute and I stopped and I, I, I really processed what you said. And I didn't want to be that parent. And for a while, because I'm going to speak from my perspective as a parent. 
So I didn't want to be that parent who was crippling your growth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in parenting growing along with child with your child. So as your child is growing, your parent should also be growing with that child. Your skills should always also be changing. And I didn't want to be that parent. And I think the first thing that came into play for me was my ego. So I started questioning myself that day. I said, well, am I not going to be able to support my child? Because now she's telling me she doesn't want my help. And you were never that child that needed me to be hands-on with you. You were never that child. Like, you you didn't allow for it to happen. You always were like, no, mommy, I can do it. And I started questioning, am I doing enough as a parent? Am I too hands-off as a parent? Mm-hmm. Like, am I just leaving my kid to figure too much out? And today, I'm glad I did. I'm glad you were the kind of child you were and now teenager you were. But it did hit my ego a little bit. I started questioning myself and then I asked my the question, what kind of adult am I wanting my daughter to be? What kind of teenager am I wanting my daughter to be? If she's calling me out saying I shouldn't be a helicopter parent, then I really need to take a step back and, and look and see how I'm jumping in. Like, am I being inappropriate and that controlling parent? Yeah, for me, I think one of the main reasons is because why you were struggling with like how you were feeling about not being as hands-on with me with me is because I feel like you were surrounded by other parents who were doing a lot with their kids yes or and seeing like kids coming home from school and they're like oh mommy help me with this mommy help me with that and I was just never really that sort of kid um especially and don't get me wrong these were the words of an eight-year-old that was not com- like I don't want it to sound like I think I was like so smart and enlightened. <laughs> this was me going to school and hearing my parents say and hearing my teacher say helicopter parent and I like the word helicopter and I just mm-hmm. said it to my mom. And I think her understanding of it, of the concept and of the word, maybe not necessarily my understanding, but hers is what um, fueled me to be who I am today. Well, who are you today? Because you said it fueled you to be who you are today. Um, I would say that I'm very independent. True. I I don't like to depend on anyone for anything, and I find myself to be mostly self-sufficient. Of course, if if it's not practical for me to do something by myself, I can reach out for help, and I'm not afraid to reach out for help. But I have this policy in my head. I don't remember who said it to me, but I remember it was a teacher or something like that, and they were like, if the answer to this question is on Google, don't ask me. Mm. And that really just like struck with me because oftentimes you hear people asking these questions and people say there's no such thing as a stupid question. I don't want to say stupid question, but there's such a thing as an unnecessary question. Mm. Okay. Because if you can find it by yourself and it'll be accurate and it will be the same exact answer that someone else is going to give to you you're taking you're wasting time you're taking away time that you could have been using to do something else or that other people could have been using so okay. i try to be self sufficient mostly and i can't function with a, like i couldn't function with a helicopter parent and i think it's very important to note that some 
people are not like that. They need an extra push. They need an extra drive. That's why some of my friends set reminders on their phone that go off all the time. They have people call them. They get into study groups because they need an accountability partner. And I don't really think there's anything wrong with that because everybody knows how you function. And as long as you're functioning well, there's no problem. But me personally, I can't deal with someone hovering over me and watching what I'm doing. I don't even like necessarily asking for help. Like, I'll finish something, ask for feedback, yes. but to get it done together, yes. I cannot That's not do your that. Thing, especially right. because I know I'm someone who likes... I'm very methodical, especially how I work, and I have a vision in my head. And if it's not being executed, it drives me crazy. And I cannot focus on what I'm supposed to be doing and have it to be the maximum thing if I'm trying to incorporate someone else's vision into my work. Now, let me ask you a question. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a little bit for parents who are listening and maybe wondering Mm -hmm. how then... So it's two questions. Number one, would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Yes. (laughs) And why would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Because typically when someone is a perfectionist, that creates a level of anxiety. It is very anxiety producing. I, for one, based on my observation, don't see you as a perfectionist because I think you're pretty laid back. I think you have high standards for yourself, but I don't consider you a perfectionist. I don't think that you are defined by your grades maybe at one point when you were younger but i don't see that now so i kind of wanted to get your view why do you think you're a perfectionist um well i it's funny i would say i'm a recovering perfectionist yes because up to last year i got the realization i don't remember what happened to me but i just remember sitting down and thinking this doesn't matter in 10 15 years i'm gonna look back And I'm not even going to remember what good I got in this stupid class. And I remember that because there would be a certain time when I hate group work. I hate group work because you're so dependent on someone else to pull their weight. And the type of group member I am, if I see you're not doing it right, you're not doing it right, you're not doing it right, I'm going to do the whole thing. Mm. And that creates a lot of stress for me because this thing that's supposed to be meant for multiple people is now Mm -hmm. being packed all into one person. So... I would say yes, I'm a perfectionist because if I see something and it's not done the way that I want it to be done, I'd rather just do it myself. But that is something that I've been working on Mm -hmm. because I've recognized that nothing is going to be, like a lot of things cannot be perfect. Exactly. And that's why my perfectionism is mostly confined to my academics because for the most part, that's something that I can control. I can control how much effort I put into an essay. I can control how... When I do my math homework, I can, like, those are things that I can make to be my vision. And that's why I have very good grades and my academics are usually on par because those are things where I can channel my perfectionist tendencies into good energy and make it positive. Okay. I remember at one point, your dad and I, Mm -hmm. we were very concerned that you wouldn't be able to handle failure. Because you, you've you always done well. Like, you've always been an A student. Mm-hmm. And my fear was, okay, so I'm always encouraging you and pushing you to do well. And I started worrying, thinking, hmm, 
am I creating a perfectionist and am I going to contribute to a child who maybe has self-esteem issues if she doesn't get an A? Mm -hmm. Am I going to contribute to a child who's anxious? And I did worry about that a lot, actually, because I remember at one point wherein something happened, you didn't get the A that you wanted to and you were bawling. Mm -hmm. And you did not want to talk to your dad and I. You kind of just locked yourself away in the closet. And I'm, I knocked on the door. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> we don't do that in this house. If you need a minute, tell us you need a minute. I don't remember if you know if you remember that. I oh, said, okay, I if you this. need a minute, you need to say, mom and dad, I need a minute. But don't just lock yourself in the closet. Yeah, I actually like I struggle from anxiety. I do. Uh, it's not as bad as it once was because... Mm-hmm. I'm a person that lives in my head a lot, which isn't always good, especially if you can be anxious. I live in my head because I don't know, I read a lot and yes. I'm a reader. I'm I always am in my head thinking about things, working things out. So But it's healthy anxiety. Yeah. Right. Well, it wasn't at it point. wasn't at the time, but But right now I'm not as anxious. I rarely feel anxiety because I'm at a place where I prioritize. Yes. It. School isn't first anymore for me. My health is. My yes. mental health is. My yes. happiness is. Yes, when I have good grades, it like contributes to my happiness. Right. But my happiness is first and foremost. Because you know what? If I get straight F's and I if I get straight F's and I never graduate high school, there's always there's hope is always there as long as you're alive. So my focus like I will never allow myself to be defined by my grades. Now, the first time when I got a grade that wasn't an A ever, I remember this was in eighth grade, and this was in PE. <laughs> this was in PE because I didn't dress out because I felt like it was a waste of my time, and I could have just been doing other work, so I would not dress out, and then I would do work during PE time. And I thought that we were getting C's if we didn't dress out. But we got zeros. Mm. So it was something like, I was like, oh, wow. So my grade went from like an A to a C. And it was an interim report. So it wasn't my final grade. Right, it wasn't. It wasn't. And (laughs) I had to do work to get it back to an A. But I saw it. And it was the first time that I had ever seen like printed out a grade. Black and and white. It was a C. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It was, I had a panic attack. I just... I saw it on the paper. First, I was in denial. I was like, oh, it's not mine, guys. Like, it can't be. <laughs> I thought it wasn't my work card. But, and then when it finally set in, I just had, like, I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. I, I was hyperventilating. I was crying. I turned off all the lights. I'm dramatic. So, yes. <laughs> I turned out all the lights. I felt like someone took my soul and crushed it. And I felt like someone just stripped me of my identity and just, I felt worthless and stupid and I just felt like the world was over. And I know that this sounds dramatic. I know that it does. But you have to understand, from my perspective, there were people who played sports, there were people who were singers, and yeah, I was in band, but it was like a hobby for me. It wasn't something that I was necessarily savant at. But for me, I had always been the smart girl. I was the girl who always had straight A's. I was the one who could help you with your homework. I was the one who the teachers were praising in class. So when 
something came up that contradicted my identity, it was world changing for me. And parents, this is like something that's really important. When you see your kid go through something and you think that their reasoning is stupid or you think that maybe this shouldn't be affecting them this much, you have to understand it from their perspective. At the time I was in eighth grade, I was 13 and your whole world Mm -hmm. is centered around school. Your whole world is what you're doing. So, and I'm 16, and I know that my whole world is things that aren't even relevant to my parents, and that's okay because that's where you are in life. So I think it's just important to empathize with your children when you see them going through something, and they say, Mom, um, my hair doesn't look good, or Mom, I'm not doing well, or it's not, why can't you just do, it's, you just have to sometimes be patient with us because it, it defines us. You feel like it does define you. And it was after I got this grade, I realized I never wanted to feel like that again. And I realized I couldn't allow something that wasn't entirely up to me to define me. Because at that point, it's not healthy. Because Mm -hmm. what if I, what if something happens to me and I can't perform as well in school as I used to? then where's my identity or what happens when I'm finished with school and there's no more grades right who am I then so it was just me having to do like self-discovery and realizing that I am so much more than a letter on a paper so I guess the question I want to throw out there just for the benefit of parents because um I brought that example up only because I remembered seeing you having that meltdown and your dad and I, your dad was terrified. He was like, oh my God, <laughs> she locked herself in the closet. Nikki, what is going on? Why is she in the closet? And I said to him, Dina needs to experience failure. And don't get me wrong, I felt bad for you. But at the same time, I needed to allow you to feel that. I was more concerned about you experience it in a healthy way mm-hmm. because you're locked in the closet i don't know what you're doing in there <laughs> i don't know if you're trying to hurt yourself so i knocked the door and i we came to an agreement and i said i will allow you your space to be upset but i need you to um be do it in a safe way mm-hmm. like i need to see if you're gonna be in your room fine i just need you to verbalize and say i am not going to kill myself <laughs> I just need a minute to cry it out because I wasn't going to come in there and comfort you, especially after I had told you several times, Dina, don't forget your PE clothes. And then I just stopped because I felt like I need for you to know what failure feels like. Mm -hmm. You had always excelled. You had always been great. And I needed you to feel what it was like to be an academic and do excellent but you also needed to feel failure and learn from your consequences and i could have taken your gym close to you because it was close to my office but i refused to do it because if i'm telling you several times dina don't forget you even brought it to the school and still you didn't change up like you like you needed to experience that and you never had that issue after that mm-hmm. a helicopter parent mm-hmm. on the other hand would have brought it to the school, probably would have made you get dressed <laughs> and, <laughs> and go to school the in there. Probably would have told off the teacher mm-hmm. and been there advocating for your grade to be changed. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because I did what I needed to do to make sure your gym clothes were cha- were clean. Um, they were ironed. They were ready for you. 
all you had to do is make just bring them to school and make sure you change that and you didn't do that and i wanted you to experience failure as much as i knew it was affect your perfect record of straight a's i needed you to know that life was just not a bed of roses like you have consequences but thank you for sharing that vulnerable piece of information <laughs> so then um why do what did your dad and i then do to maybe if we did anything mm-hmm. to kind of help you facilitate that discovery where you realize you know what my grade doesn't define me because that's always been our fear we didn't want a letter grade to define who you were mm-hmm. was there anything we did or is there anything you can recommend for parents to do um for parents i would say again and i can only give this from the perspective of someone who only who thrives on hands off parenting I can't function if there's someone like trying to manage like micromanage me. I just can't do that. So I think one thing that was really effective in me just feeling better was space. Mhm. I I don't want you to come and like comfort me and tell me not to cry and tell me that everything's okay. It's not okay. And I'm very big on experiencing my emotions yes, and you the are. fullness of it. Don't tell me not to cry. Don't tell me like I need to f- experience my mm-hmm, emotions mm-hmm. because I'm the type of person if I am to that point where I feel like I just need to let it out. I've been like I cannot suppress my emotions because that's when I get snappy and I get angry and I get moody. I'm already moody as a teenager and then as a teenage girl I'm already moody. I don't need any suppressed emotions and it just weighs and I feel it on my chest and it doesn't doesn't work for me. So I think the space to figure it out and to So not, that's what worked for you? Us giving you the space. space. And as well, um I started like reading, mm-hmm. reading and watching like videos on people who were post graduate or post high school or whatever mm-hmm. because I think when we're younger we just have this like tunnel vision and this closed mindset and I was looking at the trees instead of looking at the forest big right. picture that CMP wasn't even my final grade but it was already enough for me to break down and I realized this isn't a healthy way of operating gotcha so what causes parents to be helicopter parents i just wanted to share that for for some of us it's our fear mm-hmm. our fear that our kid could fail mm-hmm. our fear that as a parent we might be embarrassed because our kid isn't doing what they're supposed to do and like you said earlier sometimes you're around other parent and you see how overly involved they are and that happened to me because i can think of quite a few parents um that I'm acquaintances with and I see them overly involved with their children and I'm like wait I don't do that for my kid am I am I a bad parent like they're making me wow maybe I need to do more and I started questioning and then I had to say no no you have you respect your child you trust your child and you coach your child and you teach your child and you have to trust that what you're doing give them space to apply it don't think that because these parents are being overly involved that you need to do that and that's where the trust came in like i had to trust you that when you told me mom it was good it was good your report card showed me that i could trust you um but i really had to check myself i think sometimes as parents we tend to have very unrealistic standards for our kids or we mismanage our expectations so example i remember i say to you dina clean the bathtub like you need to wash the bathtub and clean your bathroom 
because I assumed that since you had seen me do it for so many years, Mm -hmm. that you knew how to clean the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So when I came into the bathroom and I saw how you did it, I was like, what? (laughs) What the heck? What is this? And then I had to take stop and think and say, well, Nikki, you told her to clean the bathroom, but have you ever, did you ever teach her how to clean the bathroom? And I felt myself boiling because I was like, she probably just did a sloppy job, like to just rush. And I had to put myself in your shoes for a minute. And and I, I think I was always good about asking questions before I react and say, why would Dina do the bathroom like this? Like, seriously, she must know that that's not acceptable. And because I took time out to ask that question, why would she do that? Then I came to the realization, well, I didn't teach you. I never taught you how to do it. But then I expected that it should have been done to my standards. Mm-hmm. So then I came in and I said, honey, come on, let's clean together. Let me show you how to do it. And then after that, I never had a problem. And then sometimes as parents, we do that so often. We'll tell our kid, go make the bed. But then we never, ever show took the time out to them. show them how to make the bed. And then when we go in and the sheet's kind of lopsided <laughs> or half of it is off the bed, we get angry thinking you're just doing a poor job when we never took the time out to teach you how to do it. So for me, I had to learn to teach first and then expect after. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would say to parents. Take time out to teach your teenager how to do things first and then you have that right to establish an expectation don't think that just because they've always seen you do it they should know how to do it the right way that is very unrealistic um the other reason we become a helicopter parent is because we love well that means i love you so much that i want you to do the best and because i want you to be the best and do the best sometimes we don't realize that we are overstepping boundaries mm-hmm. and getting too overly involved. Um, for some parents, it's because they have this image to maintain. Mm-hmm. Some people, they feel pressured because they're around other individuals who, whose kids are the elite. Like other parents will come to me and say, what do you do with Dina? Like, oh my gosh, she's so brilliant. And I tell them, listen, don't get fooled. Some days I wonder if I'm going or I'm coming as a parent. I have challenging days like everybody else where I wonder if I'm parenting my kid the right way, but I am very intentional about making sure whatever comes out of my mouth is empowering to you, makes you feel powerful. Like I praise you more than I criticize you. I ask you for feedback um, and I support you. Your dad and I are very intentional about constantly asking What do you need us to do to support? So because you were never that kid who needed us to be involved, overly involved, we would always say, okay, honey, what's going on with your homework? Mama, I got it. I'm going to do it. Okay. What do you need from us? We're always asking, what do you need from us to make it happen? And you would say nothing or you would say, well, can you make me tea? And sometimes it's as simple as that. But as Mm -hmm. parents, when we get too overly involved, we may make a mountain out of a mole because to me, when you're like tea and I'm like tea, but that's what you needed. That's what you needed at that moment to get you to where you need to be. The other thing is um, maintaining that image. And I can't stress this enough. Your household is your household. Don't allow other people to meddle in your household 
and tell you how to run your household with your kid and compare yourself as a parent. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry because I just remember, like, sometimes in middle school and even freshman year, my mom would be like, okay, so new rule in the house. You're going to have the phone to me by 9 p.m. And I used to be like, why? Because I'm I'm getting straight A's in school. I'm Mm -hmm. doing well. I'm not... It's not an issue. And then it would stop a week later. It was that fear. And I knew it was fear. And I know, and I knew, like, I knew why. And I knew it was like, okay, well, like, and especially because it's new. And I I know, like, people like to throw blame on new things a lot of the time. But it was, Mm -hmm. there was nothing wrong, especially in high school. And you used to check my grades all the time. And Mm -hmm. you used to be like, you have a C in here. What's going on? Or you have a B. What's going on? And it's like, no, you need to allow me to change it because again if your kid gives you a re- if they never give you a reason to doubt them and if especially if they give you reasons to trust them and you don't anyway it it it's like okay well clearly i my opinion doesn't matter to you yes so that's the message it was sending to you at that yeah. time and it's like if it's not broke don't fix it because i just felt so constricted i was like i'm not doing anything wrong i'm doing things right actually there's nothing going on I just feel like I'm being punished for nothing. Right. And it really wasn't us punishing you. Mm -hmm. Our concern as parents, because we know what tends to happen in terms of sex trafficking. Predators tend to go after kids who are online. Or, um, you know, there's so many things that could happen on the phone. Mm -hmm. It was us trying to put in place protective measures and then... Your dad and I, like the three of us, sat and we spoke about it and came to the conclusion that, listen, we've done what we needed to do to equip you with the skills. And because of how precocious or how mature you were, you kind of said, I need you guys to trust me to prove myself to you that I can do this. And then again, because of the line of work I do, where sometimes I work with hardened criminals and I hear them say things like, I met them on this platform where they were playing games. It scared me, but I I was very intentional as to not to impose what I was doing outside of my home for a living on you because it wasn't fair to you. Like I had to take a step back and realize that trust is something that works both ways and I needed to make sure that I was extending trust to you and not making assumptions that because other people are finding things on their child's phone that you were doing that, but we were also not being naive. And I think that also helped. Um, The other reason why a lot of parents are helicopter parents is because we're impatient. Mm -hmm. We're parenting sometimes from a stressful place. We're running around. We have to get to work. We have to get you to this. We have to do that. We have bills to pay. And when you're overwhelmed and stressed, sometimes it's easier to just do it yourself as a parent than wait for your teenager to get it done at their pace not realizing the message is sending that maybe what I do is not good enough and I never wanted to do that. I think the other thing I learned from our interaction relationship is that I needed to make lists for you. We both came to the conclusion that me saying, Dina, um, when I get back, make sure your bed is made, you clean the bathroom, you do the dishes. When I came back, I was like, why aren't things done? And you're looking at me like, mom, 
I did okay, I did the dishes. Fair, that list sounds very short. It would be like mop the roof, clean the fan, <laughs> open the ocean, walk the dog, clean the dog, make dinner, eat the food, and then it's just like she would tell okay, she would tell me like twenty things to do at once. And I would be like Okay. Like, I just say, okay, because mind you, she's talking to me at like 9 a.m. in the morning during summer when I don't wake up before 2. So my brain is already like, I don't know half what you just said. You, you need to go. By the time I went through the door, it was gone. It was gone. It was out of my head. So it was now me realizing, Nikki, make a shorter list and remember that your child's brain is still developing. It's going to take time and patience. And then things started to get done. Because I had to, again, adjust my expectations and not think that because my brain goes at a thousand miles per minute and I remember things that she should do it. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to those mismanaged expectations. So some some messages it sends to um, a teenager when their child is in their parents is overly involved or being a helicopter parent. Um, I'm not smart enough. So as a therapist, because that's what I do for a living, a lot of teenagers come into my office um, and they'll cry to me saying, my mom doesn't even think I'm, I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, their self-esteem is low. Um, and really, the other message you're sending to your, your teenager is that they're not safe to function without you, mm-hmm. that they're inadequate to function without you. I can think of a couple of times I've had teenagers sit in front of me who sob I'm not good enough if I don't get straight A's I don't hear from my mom that they love me the only time I get a little attention is if I do well and you never want to put your child in that position where their identity is um, equated to the grade the letter grade that they're getting Mm -hmm. I have young adults who sit in my office even today 25 year olds 21 year olds saying my parents failed me they did everything for me and now I'm in college and I'm depressed and I'm anxious because I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I have a problem making friends. I have a problem in the class. I'm afraid to talk to the teacher because my mom would always run to the school mm-hmm. and be in the principal's office fighting for my grades to get changed or fighting for this to happen. And when we do that as parents, what we're actually doing is we're disempowering our children we're not allowing them the opportunity to problem solve. We're not allowing them the opportunity to be assertive, to fight for themselves. So we, we want to definitely bear that in mind. What subconscious message do you think that um, helicopter, parents. helicopter parents send to their kids that they don't realize they're sending? Oh, <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, but um, at least... One for me was that my parents don't have any common sense. Like, (laughs) that was one for me. Because sometimes you guys don't really realize what you guys do. Because I remember there was a time, it was in middle school. One day, it used to be you were ironing all my clothes. You had everything ready for me. You packed my lunch. You made breakfast. You made dinner. You just made everything. Everything was ready for me. My pencils were lined up at the door. <laughs> Dina, do you need this? I can bring this to school for you. It was great. I was living great. And then, like, somewhere in the middle of seventh grade, you were just like, okay, Dina, why haven't you ironed your clothes? Why didn't you wash this? Why didn't I was like, well, I, I didn't know I had to do all this stuff. <laughs> and it was just like an 
kind of it was a shocker yes it felt like an on off switch and one thing i want to say is if you are a helicopter parent please don't just stop doing everything all at once because it needs to be gradual or we're going to crash because if we've been trained to have this accessible to us and all of a sudden it's all stripped away that's a rude awakening and you're gonna see the effect in our academic life and our social life and how we interact with you so when that happened right and i was like is she okay? Does she not have, like, do my parents not understand that I, like, I'm still a child? Like, maybe, yes, I do ask for independence, but at the end of the day, I still need support. I'm still a child. And just because maybe my support isn't academic, maybe I need you to still make things for me. Maybe I still need you to do this and do that. And of course, yes, it can sound entitled, but when it's not a transition, when it's just harsh, then it's very just a rude awakening. And I think the best way to transition from being a helicopter parent to being a lot more relaxed and allowing us to be more independent is just to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and, like, communicate. Because if you do it without saying anything and just start... Like, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, you know what, I'm going to stop what I'm doing, I'm going to do better, but you don't tell your teenager that, (laughs) and it's really just you having this epiphany all by yourself, it's going to feel like, does she not care about me anymore? Am Mm -hmm. I not a priority to her? Mm -hmm. Because clearly, if you were once doing this, all this stuff for me, and you said that that was how you showed that you love me, but now that you're not, how much... Has something changed? Am I doing something wrong? So I think just make sure to communicate. And I think it's so important, like you just said, the messages that are being sent of it affects your core. That's where core messages get ingrained in your child's brain of I'm unlovable mm-hmm. or I'm unworthy mm-hmm. or I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And those messages actually follow your teenager into their adult years and it does affect the way they function and the way they see themselves. So additional harms that can happen, the way you can harm your teenager um, by being a helicopter parent, you create perfectionists. Um, You contribute to your teenager becoming very anxious. So when you started high school, because I was so used to you always having straight A's, I kept checking because I knew high high school was a hard transition. Like, you lost your old teachers. You lost some of your friends you had. It was a loss, and now you transition to high school. And I kept watching because I wanted to make sure you were transitioning well. But in doing so, I started to monitor your grades even more and monitor you even more, not realizing that I was contributing to you being anxious. And I'm very grateful for the fact that I've always allowed you um i wouldn't say permission like i've always created that safe space where you felt like you could be honest with your dad and i and kind of um hold us accountable as parents and call us out and you pulled me aside and you said mom when you keep checking my grades and you keep asking me why did i get this b or what's going on why did i get a c you're actually making me very anxious I never thought about that. All I cared about at that point was that you were making that transition and you were doing so well, but it backfired because I didn't realize the message it was sending to you and that it was actually now causing you to be anxious in an unhealthy way. And because I allowed for that space where you were able to speak to us, Mm -hmm. once you said that to me, I backed off completely. 
we came to an agreement where I said to you, okay, I'm going to check in with you, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell us what your grades are. And I and after I did that, like I never had cause to go back and check in the system and say, well, like, what are your grades are? Why are you doing this? Because again, trust, mm-hmm. and again, communication, um, and because of the relationship we have, and I can't stress this enough, parents, you cannot discipline a teenager if you have no relationship with him or her. I'm gonna say it again. If you do not have a relationship with your son, your teenage son, or your teenage daughter, then you are going to have an extremely difficult time disciplining, disciplining that individual. Because it, when you have a relationship with that person, there is mutual trust. Mm-hmm. There is communication. There is respect. But if I have no relationship with you, I don't know you. Right? Am I right, Dina? Mm -hmm. And then your child is not going to make an effort to then do things that they know will uphold the values that you you have as a parent. And also you need to know them to know what type of parenting is going to work for them. Yes. Because if my mom didn't talk to me and I didn't talk to my mom, how would she know that I cannot function with like with an overbearing parent that that would stifle me instead of help me grow because I'm not gonna say I think I'm rare whatever but I know a lot of the time the type of kid you see is someone who needs an extra push and needs to like get someone on them and not that I don't need accountability of course I do but I can't function if it's so much that it's overbearing to me and I get and I get overwhelmed very easily in the scope of people. I don't really like talking a lot to people, especially for a long duration of time. It's an issue I have. I don't pick up my phone. I don't like. Well, you're an introvert, so <laughs> I don't like talking to people. Yes, I can talk in front of people. I don't, but I prefer. I would always prefer to be by myself. So for someone who's always would rather be by themselves, I'm in my own head a lot. Having someone else try to come and intrude my space is very like alarming to me and threatening. Yes. And another thing too that happens when you're a helicopter parent is you create a teenager who's overly critical of him or herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it happen all the time. Teenagers from volunteer work I do at therapy, at church, wherever I am, where you listen to some teens and the negative things they say about themselves, it's really disturbing and alarming. But if you have a parent who's not giving you breathing space, who's not um, allowing you that time, and who tends to criticize things that you do rather than um, encourage and praise, then you're going to become very critical of yourself because that behavior is learned. Um, so how can parents... Um, how, what is your advice or what is my advice then as a parent for you not to be a helicopter parent? Like, what can you do? The role I took on was that of a parent coach, mm-hmm. a parent coach. So I started teaching more and coaching you more and soliciting your input more. I use more praises than I do criticism. The average child hears more than um, 400 times in a day, thousands of times throughout the day. Um, what they're doing wrong because they wake up in the morning is why didn't you brush your teeth? Why aren't you moving faster? Why didn't you do this? Then they go to school is why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? 
but we're not always as intentional about telling them what they do wrong and i think that's one thing i have to say right i mean sorry right Mm -hmm. i have to say that's one thing your dad and i we try to be intentional about is telling you what we see you do right Mm -hmm. like we try to be overly intentional about that so try to ensure that you are giving more praises than you are criticism as a parent Mm -hmm. ask for your child's opinion Things will happen, complex things will happen, and I will call Dina in and say, hey, listen, this situation happened today between two adults. How would you handle this? Mm-hmm. It is, it's not about that your teenager being wrong or right. What you're actually doing is you're showing them that you trust their judgment, right? Mm-hmm. You are allowing them the opportunity to problem solve, mm-hmm. and that is very empowering. So I started asking for Dina's feedback on things situations complex situations just to see how she would process not her clients not my clients not my (laughs) clients but things that would happen maybe between a family member and i or a friend and i say hey how would you handle this or conversations i had with you know acquaintances because i wanted to see or i'd watch something and say hey dina if this happened how would you handle it the other thing is if Dina did something, God forbid, what, what, that was outside of our expectations, we would say to her, all right, so if you were the parent, how would you handle this? And oftentimes she was very dead on. She'd say, you know what, mom, if I were my parent, this is what I would do. And that's what we did. Um, ask your kids permission to support them. So with you doing homework, I, after that episode happened when you were nine years old, I started asking, hey, um, do you have homework? Yes, mom. What can I do to support you? Or do you, what do you need me to do to help? And you say nothing. And I had to be comfortable with taking your nothing for what it was and respecting that mm-hmm. and trusting that. Um, accept that your child is not going to be perfect. You didn't give birth to a perfectionist and you certainly, if you're being a perfectionist yourself, that's something that needs to be worked on because that's where anxiety comes in. Like for instance, when I said to you, they'll make the bed and the sheet's not on there straight. Instead of criticizing, why did you make the bed like that? Is hey, honey, thank you for making the bed. I'm so glad that you took initiative to make the bed. That's awesome. Maybe the next morning, sweetheart, let's do the bed together, which is what I started doing. Instead of criticizing, let's do the bed together. We made the bed. I said, what do you notice about the sheet? And you started telling me. And then after a while, you realized how the sheet should be on there. So I never had to say to you, well, why did you put the sheet on and it's crooked? It's not straight. Give your children permission to correct you. You have to be comfortable enough with allowing your child to correct you. I believe that respect goes both ways. Mm -hmm. If you are um, wanting to correct your child, you should be comfortable enough to allow them to correct you because you're not perfect and your child isn't perfect. And when your child corrects you and you lash out on them because you're the adult, what you're actually telling them is that I'm perfect and I don't have a problem. And that's why a lot of children or teenagers have an issue with respecting their parents or they see their parents as superhero and they can't empathize realizing that their parents also suffer. They feel sad, they feel angry, they feel frustrated because those parents just, they're not okay with um, accepting correction from their kids or feedback from their kids. Um, empathize with your teen. If I go in there and I ask Dina to do something, I always ask first before I do anything else. I try to be more responsive instead of reactive. 
So a reactive with me would lash out. This is disrespectful. Why did you do this? You're not being considerate. A responsive parent would be, okay, so I asked you to do the dishes. It's not done. Tell me what happened that stopped you from doing it. Because oftentimes you'll hear, like she says, she gets overwhelmed. Um, So what do we need to do so that you're able to complete the task that I give you to do? Encourage your teens to problem solve. Give them scenarios. Help them to problem solve. Test out. Hear their feedback. Solicit their feedback. Encourage them to speak up. Teach and then expect. Teach them whatever it is that you want them to do before you set the expectations that they're going to do it and do it the right way. What about you, Dina? What advice do you have for parents um, as to how to go about not being a helicopter parent? Um, I would just say trust in your kid. Trust in your kid. Trust. Um, however, I will note, not everyone is the same. Some people need different levels of um, communication and support. And some people need support in different ways. Me, I really just need to know that you're there and that I can talk to you if I need it. And maybe can you make me a cup of tea so I can stay up? Or can you make me a cup of coffee in the morning? Or can you make me some breakfast or something like that? Because academically, I don't struggle. Maybe you could encourage your child to get a tutor if they need help with homework and staying on task. Or put them in a mentoring thing or make them join a scholar society. Something. But it can't just be you offering the support. So what advice would you give to teenagers? What should they do so that their parents can start to trust them more and not have to be that helicopter parent? I think that speak through your actions is a big one. Because a lot of the time we set these unrealistic things. Because, okay, so say you want to go out and your mom's like, okay, well, I've been asking you to do things. Your grades aren't looking good. The house is a mess when I ask you to clean it, whatever, whatever. And you're like, Mom, I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to mop the roof. I'm going to shadow them. I'm going to do everything that you asked me to do. And then maybe she's in a good mood. She says, okay, but then you don't do it. So that creates that there's no trust. So maybe instead of being reactive and trying to do everything after, be good for a while. If you know what your parent likes do it if you know how they expect you to act do it if you need help with your homework go get it be like take initiative for yourself figure out what you want to do in life and go after it and then once you have that motivation you have that drive your parents are going to see it in you especially if you weren't necessarily doing so well in any area before they're going to see a difference so when you ask to do things they're going to be more responsive to you and more receptive to you of course, I don't know your parents, and you know your parent. If you know that your parent just, you don't need to be going anywhere, of course, that's a different situation. But for the most part, if your parent's reasonable and if they respond to changes in your behavior, that should help. Okay. And then lastly, parents, I commend you for getting up every day, making sure that you are providing for your teens or a teen. Um, I commend you for not giving up because it's not easy. And oftentimes as parents, we very rarely hear good job, mommy, or good job, daddy. Mm -hmm. 
and sometimes parent other people are quick to judge and point fingers and blame and you know at home you're doing your bestest best they're not in your house they don't see what's going on but your child goes out there and they follow um peer pressure and they do things that are not in line with what you teach them at home and you still get judged for it so i commend you if no one else has said it to you i commend you for not giving up i commend you for not walking away i commend you for those times in in spite of you crying it out you're getting up and you're you keep pushing and you're trying it is not easy to raise a teenager i am blessed to have a teen who's very mature and we have a great relationship but please do not be fooled we have we have had to work our behinds off as parent my husband and i to get our relationship to where it is now we also had our valleys and we had our peaks but because we didn't want to give up and we wanted to learn we always wanted to learn what we needed to do as parents to support our teenager our child um and really putting our ego aside um that's really what makes our relationship work we're very big on supporting dina asking how can we improve i always ask dina what do you think i need to do to improve my parenting if you're not asking your teenager that if you are not asking your child for feedback then something is wrong when you work at work you get a 90 day review and every year you get an annual review Even at school they give you a report card, right, Dina? Yeah. So why not ask your teenager to feedback? Say to your teenager and this really requires you to be humble and put your ego aside. What do you think I can do better at as a parent? I always ask Dina that and I take a deep breath. And I do get a little nervous sometimes because I know I'm not perfect and I know I can do a better job, but it's better for them to tell you then a police officer to knock your door and say we caught your kid doing this and we caught your kid doing that or it's better to get feedback from your teenager as to what you can do to improve no one is asking you to be perfect because i am not a perfect parent it helps that i i have been trained and i'm a therapist however i am revealing vulnerable parts of my life because i know how challenging it is to parent even with a child who goes beyond and above to do what she needs to do to stay in line and that's why I wanted to share with you so hopefully my experience our journey mm-hmm. as teenager and parent can help you to strengthen yours with your team because I look around out there and we're in trouble from what I see the things my daughter shares with me and what I hear from teens in therapy we're in trouble and we can do a better job but like I say commend yourself take the time out to take care of yourselves as parent find other parents who are like-minded support each other and just take it one day at a time but again if you are not getting feedback from your teenager every month i make it a point of my duty my husband and i to ask dina what do we need to do to support you how are we doing as parents and we give her feedback about how she's doing if you're not getting feedback how can you improve dina any last words as we wrap up Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, thank you guys for listening. We hope you'll join in. We post a new episode of our podcast every Monday by 9 a.m. Um, so we hope you'll listen. Please provide feedback. Let us know other topics that you'd like us to discuss, and we will gladly cover them for you. From you, hopefully, you will learn from this um, 
episode and thank you guys have an amazing day have an amazing week or evening whatever time of day you're listening to this bye bye